Well, you guys sit down, take a seat in here today. What's up, Pearl Street Church? So good to see everybody here in the middle of the madness, COVID madness. I'm just ready for this stuff to be over. Anybody with me on that? Anybody just want to say, in Jesus' name, be gone, right? Oh, it's just so uh, so challenging and frustrating and everything else in between. And, you know, there's just so much fear behind all of it, you know, and it all comes down to it. It's just fear-based um, that, that something could, could take our friends out or take our, our loved ones out or take us out, right? You know, it's just fear-based, fear, 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 fear. And what we know the Bible says is that, man, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And, and we should fear nothing other than God himself and that reverence for his authority. And, like, here we are on this earth as believers, like, ah, freaking out. Um, and and, and uh, I would say, um, understandably so. Don't get me wrong. Understandably so. Uh, we've never seen anything like this. It's just been so long. You're just like, ah, ah. So we are jumping into a conversation. It's kind of like an extenuation of the conversation. I'm kind of progressively working through it. We talked about a Christian worldview, biblical worldview. We talked about Christian apologetics and having a, a good reason for our faith. And I want to jump into a conversation here today over the next couple of weeks on it's really in the realm of Christ-like, living a life that is Christ-like. Because there's a lot of ideas of what Christ-like is, but really it's opinions. It's opinions on what I believe Christ-like is, and it may not necessarily be biblical. Some of us say what we're doing is Christ-like, but at the end of the day, it's not biblical, and it's really just to appease our desire and, uh, or our wants or whatever, our human ideas, and, and it's nothing to do in alignment with God's word. And, and he's called us to be a light into a broken world, but he says also, Jesus also says, if the light you think you have is actually a lie, how dark that light is on the inside of you. And we live in a culture today where there is a lot of people that believe they have the light of Christ on the inside of them. But really, it's human ideas on the inside of them masked with Christ, you know, on top of it. And how dark that light is because it's not truly light. It's darkness. And, and so we, I want to jump into a conversation. We're just going to jump on the front end of this, uh, kind of just starting the conversation up. And then we work over the next couple weeks we're going to jump into specifics, specific conversations around lifestyle and living and righteousness, so on and so forth. And we're going to get up in the nitty gritty uh, of life, and it's going to be fun. Uh, it will be uncomfortable. So come, right? So that, that's the way you get people to come to church is like, hey, we're going to talk about things you don't want to talk about. Because more than likely, you're dealing with it, I'm dealing with it. But at the end of the day, if Jesus Christ is king and uh, he is our savior... He is our healer, and uh, he is our Lord. Lord is a key word in there. If he is our Lord, our leader, then we have somebody that can lead us towards righteousness, although our humanity wants to lead us towards unrighteousness. So uh, we're going to jump into some good conversations over the next couple weeks. Now, uh, something happened this past week. I don't know if you know. Uh, on Tuesday, a bunch of people went in and voted in our country, and then the next couple days was uh, crazy, uh, and then yesterday... Um, they made a decision based off of the crazy, crazy uh, county on, hey, this person we think won, right? And so yesterday there was a decision that was made that Joe Biden is the president-elect of 2020, right? And so there's two different sides inside of here. <laughs> Woo! 
There you go. It, there's some people like, yay, you know. Other people are like, no. Um, and, and you know what the reality is, you know, I, I, what I learned a couple years ago after the, y'all know, I think it was in 2013 when the Spurs, they were 30 seconds away in game five, I think it was, of winning the championship. You remember this in 2013? Yeah, nobody likes to talk about it if you're from San Antonio. <laughs> 30 seconds away from winning the championship. And they lose it. Now, I was so emotionally invested in it. I, I, I'm not even joking right now, okay? Not joking. I was depressed for three months when they lost it all because it was so close. And you know what? I had to go through a process as a pastor to be like, why in the world are you so emotionally invested in this that you are losing, like, your salvation and you're losing me in the process of something that is man-made, you know, it's a man-made idea. They're putting a ball inside of a hoop, and they're doing it better than somebody else. Like, what are you doing, right? And so I had to learn in that season. It was a big learning lesson because I'm, I was a sport, I'm a sports guy. I love sports. I love competition. I love it. I love the battle. I love it. Um, but I had to remove myself from the emotional part of it because championships come, championships go, Right? There's winners, there's losers, and if you're a Cowboys fan, you feel like you're always losing. So that's just life. <laughs> Got to throw it in there, right? Every time I say that now, I just think of that leg that came up just not looking right. It was just crazy. Uh, but here we are today with, with an election, right? And if we pull back from the emotional part of it, kingdoms come, kingdoms go. Uh, kings come, kings go. Presidents come, presidents go, right? And so if you're on one side of it and you're celebrating today, right? Yay, you know. I mean, congratulations, right? We want to we live in that realm. Congratulations. People went to the ballot boxes. They voted. And a, a president, there's an individual they believe is the individual that's going to be in the White House. So we celebrate. We can honor that, right? The Bible calls us as Christians to honor authority, right? Honor authority. Authority that's put in position. So we got to honor that. So if you're on that side, celebrate. Cool, right? Four years ago, if you're on the other side of it, you're celebrating too, right? You're, you're doing the fireworks in the neighborhood or whatever. But if you're on the other side of it and you're, like, frustrated today, you're like, ah, man, right? Um, we're, we're called to be loving and graceful in the process. Don't be depressed like I was after the 2013 loss, okay? The last thing you want to be is, is so focused on a kingdom, American kingdom if you want to, American country that we live in, that you're losing sight of ultimately who is the king of kings and the Lord of lords overall, right? And so our highest form, whether we're on one side or the other, I hope we came in here today. Like, if you're on this side, of like, your guy won. He's the president-elect, right? You're in here like, yeah, worship is good. You know, you're great, right? On the other side, you're a little depressed, and you're like, oh, I don't know about that, right? The beautiful thing is it doesn't matter if your highs or lows, God is still on the throne. And he is Lord over all of us, no matter what side we stand on here today, right? So if you're hurting today, Jesus has got you. <laughs> if you're celebrating today, Jesus is with you, right? Uh, and so wherever we're at on that journey, um, life is good, right? Jesus is on the throne. And we're still here. I mean, Sunday's here. We still have a Savior to, to celebrate uh, here today. And so uh, the church is not going away. The church of Jesus Christ is not going away. doesn't matter who's in. Um, the White House, the church is not going away. And uh, so let's focus on the kingdom and uh, love each other 
in the process. Let's stay united around what we stand for, Christ Jesus, and not get caught up in the, the fringe stuff, right? And uh, if you are a winner, be graceful, right? Some of you guys, like, your guys in there, the whole social media deal, calm down, you know. My God, ah, you're horrible, you're evil, blah, 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 right? Everybody thinks they're right, just FYI. Everybody thinks they're right. And so if you are a Christian, you will operate in grace as opposed to, let me shove your face in it, right? Hey, here, right? <laughs> and on the other side, in your frustration, don't allow your anger to cause you to sin, Sin, lash out, sin, right? You don't need to go on there like, all you individuals are X, Y, and Z, right? There's a lot of stuff you could say on both sides. So let's be united around Jesus Christ. Amen? Everybody's going to say amen. amen. Okay, if you don't believe that, you can go right now. The door's right there. We love you. God bless you. But you're not a part of Pearl Street Church, right? <laughs> we love you. God bless you. Uh, there's a door. There's a lot of other churches out there, okay? So we love you, but there's great churches out there that would love to have you. Um, so what we're going to jump in here today, <laughs> all good. So we're jumping in today. If you want to take notes, write this across the top of your paper. Run and pursue. Run and pursue, okay? We live, a, we live in a culture here today that is indoctrinated with human ideas, and by that, the morality of these individuals does not communicate biblical values. Everywhere you turn inside of society today, you are inundated with a value system that is contrary to the word of God. You can turn on your Netflix, and what are you going to see? Behaviors and living that's out of alignment with the word of God. Completely, absolutely, 100%. Your children turn on social media. They're going to be inundated with ideas and philosophies and a value system that is completely contrary to the word of God. That's why I, as pastor, will tell you, if you do not understand the worldview of the media sources that you are watching, more than likely, you will have messaging that is out of alignment with your value system, and you will have to make a decision. Do I go along with this, or do I push away from it to get to something that is healthy, that is instructive, that is pure, that is good, that's in alignment with my value system? That's why, as parents, it is essential, essential, that you cut your kids off from the things and the ideas that are contrary to our value system, right? The world will tell us, no, why would you hold your children back? They need to be exposed and cultured and, you know, they need to be, you know, understand how the world works. Yeah, they can when they're adults, but when they're in this house, for me and my house, it's Joshua 24, it says, we're going to serve the Lord, okay? So uh, we're going to cut off all that content. We're not going to allow that to happen inside of our house. Uh, there's going to be a thousand filters on my child's phone. I'm going to check in on them every single day to make sure they are good. I will be the helicopter mom, and I will be the hovering dad. Amen. Okay. Train a child in the, in the way they should go. When they are older, they will not depart from it. The world will tell you, get your hands off your kids. I say, put your hands on your kids. <laughs> right? Literally, they get out of the line, put your hands on them, Okay. But in instructing them, you want to walk with them. As we said last week, how awesome is our God that he stepped into a broken world to walk with us through it. The same thing as a loving father has done that for us through Jesus Christ is the same thing we do as Christian parents and Christians. We jump into the equations and walk with, 
with our children through the process. We instruct them in the way they should go. The world does not instruct them. The world is the, world is the chaos in which we are preparing them for. We're not trying to remove the chaos. We're trying to instruct them through the chaos, right? And so we got to eliminate, right? And this is, you know, in the realm of uh, understanding, some of us, I mean, the, I think the exposure to sexual immorality or those behaviors of impurity happen for children around 8 to 10 years old. If your hands are off of them, you're not paying attention, the world is going to expose your child 8 to 10 years old at the latest by 12. I think the first sexual encounter is happening at 12 years old right now in our society. That's the average right now. 12 years old is the first sexual encounter that children are having. That's ludicrous. Yes, it is, okay? But in our society today, if you are unwise and uncareful about this, there's an exposure to ideas and thoughts and behaviors that are out of alignment with the word of God. And so when, when you are exposed, now you have to deal with all the consequences of the knowing, the understanding. Now you've got to face all the temptation inside of there, right? If, you, if you're an individual that's been abused, as I have at the age of like seven, you are opened up to a world that is outside of your understanding as a child. Your innocence is robbed from you, and now you have to face the uh, immorality, you have to face the devices around that world from that age moving forward. And without Christ, I'll tell you, Lord knows I would not be here today without the work of Christ inside of my life. And so here we are today that we, we got to be careful with our children to keep them away from the chaos. There's people out there that's like, I want my kids to be experienced. Well, let them be experienced when they turn 22 years old. They're going to see a lot when they're 22 years old. Protect them with all your ability and might from the chaos of this world until they get there. So we live in a, a crazy world, and uh, God has called us to instruct our children. That's not in my notes, but that's where God has me going today <laughs> with, to start this puppy off. We live in a La Vida Loca world, as I say it around here. It is a La Vida Loca world, right? We are in the world, but we do not want to be of the world. God has called us to live in it, but not be of it. We are not, we are not moved by it. We exist inside of it, right? We are the salt of the earth. We're the preservation mechanism for the principles of God right here on this earth. We got to know what the word of God says. We, we got to know how to light up our light. We got to know how to be Christ-like, you know, in the middle of all of this madness and be able to lead in this generation more so than ever right now. If you do not know Christ, um, it's going to be really hard to make a difference in this generation in which we are living in here today. How many of you guys have been in a place before where you had a certain set of values and beliefs, and then you started hanging around with a different group of people that had a different set of values and beliefs, and you had to make a decision on which way you were going to go? Were you going to hold firm in what you believe, or were you going to compromise and go in that direction? You've been there before, right? You've been there. You're like, you know what? I don't know what I'm going to do. How am I going to go about this? Like, how am I going to operate? You know, um, I think we all experience this inside of life where we have a certain set of belief systems that we have. And this happens a lot with young people is there's a belief system they have in their home, but then they show up at college and it's a completely different set of belief system and living. And all of a sudden you see kids going, la -di -da, right? Anybody in here, you went to college and you went to college, we'll just leave it at that. But things changed between your belief system in the home 
where there's an authority structure, a respected authority structure, there's alignment within that, and then you stepped out of that, and all of a sudden you, you did not have a human authority structure, uh, and all of a sudden things change, decisions change, you've been there. I think everybody's experienced that before. You know, we, we have moments in our lives where we, we, we are living, and ultimately who we surround ourselves to determines the direction of our lives. You know, if, if you show me your five friends, I'll show you where your life is going. If you show me your five friends, I'll tell you what your income is going to be in a year, or probably what your income is right now and what it's going to be in five years. Who you surround yourself with ultimately decides where you are at and where you are going. 1 Corinthians uh, 15, <clears throat> 32 says this, And what value was there in fighting wild beasts, these people of Ephesus? If there will be no resurrection from the dead, and if there is no resurrection, let's feast and drink, for tomorrow we die. What is he saying? Let's live la vida loca. That's all he's saying right there. It's literally, he's speaking English. This is speaking San Antonian right here, San Antonian. All right, I just, I just translated it for us San Antonians. It says, don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. Think carefully about what is right and stop sinning. For, you, uh, for to your shame, I say that some of you don't know God at all. What is Paul saying on the front end of here? In, in the church in Corinth, there was the different ideas that were being thrown out there that were contrary to the message in which Paul had given the church in Corinth. And so there's individuals, these corrupt individuals that are saying, hey, you know what? There's no resurrection of the dead. They're given a teaching that is false and counter to the teaching that Paul has already given to them. There's a resurrection of the dead. There's a resurrection as Christ was raised to life. There's an eternal hope that we have. So let's live today in righteousness and uh, in, in waiting for the eternal future that we have with Christ. And there's people in there like, there's no resurrection of the dead. And Paul's like, whoa, 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 whoa. If there's no resurrection of the dead, then what's holding us accountable today to a righteous living? Why don't we just go, la vida loca? Why don't we just eat, drink, and be merry? There's no accountability. There's no future. What are we living right for? Then he says, bad company corrupts good character. Who you surround yourself with, what are the sources you're bringing into your life, will determine the belief system, the character in which you operate within. Now, some of us today, the inputs into our lives are completely contrary to the word of God, and we're wondering why our life is the way that it is. As I said a couple weeks ago, ultimately what you tune into will determine what you tune out. And if you're tuned into corruption, you will operate within corruption. If you tune into uh, uh, unrighteousness, you will live unrighteously. That's why there's so much power whenever you're connected to the vine, Jesus Christ. He is in you, dwelling within you. The, the work inside of you brings fruit, righteous fruit out of your life. You reject unrighteousness. You, you reject behaviors that are out of line with God because you are, your input is Christ. Ah, and then your output is righteousness. It's fruit in Christ. Bad company, though, corrupts good character. What are the inputs in our life? And, and this is a question of inputs. Where is our inputs inside of our lives? What are we inputting? Who are we listening to? Has, who has the greatest voice into our life here today? If you had to answer that one question, who has the greatest voice? 
into your life here today, you would say, maybe that is for us. It is literally that, but but who has the greatest voice into your life? And the second question would be, who, or who is that person's greatest voice in their life? Whoever your greatest person, who their voice is, who is that person's voice? And if that voice is not the heavenly father, I would be really careful on the input that you're allowing, the place you're allowing that person to have into your life. Because their value system and their character is completely different than the righteousness of God, then more than likely what they are inputting is out of alignment with, with God. And what you will do is live a life of shame trying to justify your unrighteousness rather than saying, Jesus Christ exposed my sin, let me deal with my sin and follow Christ. Let me pick up my cross and follow Christ. No, Christ didn't say, Christ saved me, but he did not forgive, he did not uh, deal with my sin. Matter of fact, this is the world we live in. Matter of fact, it's not sin. God's grace is already, it's not sin, he's covered it. I'm just going to keep on doing what I want to do, live how I want to live. I come to church as I am, and I stay that way because that's who I am, as opposed to I come to church in Christ. I meet Christ at the the altar, and I I meet him at the cross, and he deals with my sin, and and my unrighteousness is is exposed, and I want to become righteous in his sight. I want to honor God with my life. I want to serve him. He is my highest form of authority. He is my authority structure, and I want to honor him with my life. So the first thing I would leave you with is this. When there is authority, there is obedience. And I, could, I would probably say it this way too. I'll add this in. When there is respect for authority, then there is obedience. When there is respect for authority, then there is obedience in our lives. We live in a generation here today where there is a lack of respect for authority. That's the world in which we live in here today. What authority We're the highest form of truth. We're the authority. There is a lack of respect, and therefore there is a living that is out of order of a standard of righteousness. First Timothy, or Titus 2, sorry. Titus 2.12 says this. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. This is through Christ. So the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people through Christ. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. In light of the grace of God, that salvation has come through Christ, we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. We're instructed to turn from sinfulness, and if we're going to live here, we got to put our heads in the game. we got to use wisdom that comes from God. Especially in the world in which we live in here today, because there's a lot of talking heads that run their mouth, but if you look at their actions, they're completely out of alignment with righteousness. They will say one thing, I am this, (laughs) but behind the scenes, they are unrighteous. Their actions are unrighteous. They're a talking head in order to deceive people, in order that they have the appearance of something that they are actually not. That is wickedness. That is evil. When somebody knows what the truth is, but willingly says a lie to deceive and is not living ultimately what they are projecting or saying that they are. So we are to use wisdom. Christians have to use wisdom. 
God, what does this mean? How, how does this operate? Why is this happening this way? Well, this person is saying this, but what does it actually mean? What are they actually doing? We need your wisdom, God, on how to grab hold of all the complexities of life. Some people are so small-minded that they just look at singular issues and believe in the singular issue. Oh, this is what it is. No, the reality is it's something far bigger than that. You're just captivated and emotionally moved by one singular issue. The big picture is something far greater. Now, I won't go into depths and all that because I'll offend a bunch of people, but the reality is you have to use wisdom as Christians in this world we live in. we got to be extremely careful. God has called us to live righteously. The second part of there, we should live in this evil world with wisdom, one. God, what does your word say? What do these people mean? How are they actually living? Then righteousness, our job to honor God with our lives. What is his expectation? We're going to talk about this. Righteousness is literally what we're going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks. You got the Ten Commandments that's already laid out the fundamentals. Then you jump into the Beatitudes where Jesus starts to break down. This is what it means to live righteously. This is what it means to build your life on the foundation of Christ. Him is the cornerstone and the blocks of his principles. We'll, we'll jump into all that. I want to set this up today that you and I, because of the grace of God and the salvation that's come through his son, is there a compelling on the inside of us in his instructions to move towards righteousness and godly living? Because if there is no respect for authority, there is no alignment in obedience. There's none of that. Inside of your workplace today, you go to work and you subject yourself to this environment. You say, hey, I want a job here. More than likely, you're going to that place because you want to get paid. Right? Most of us, right? We show up and we're going to do something because we want to get paid. Now, with inside of the organization, there's a role responsibility in which we have to fulfill the expectations in order to accomplish the mission of the company. And then what? Appease our bosses that we accomplish that responsibility. That Then they say, you can continue to work in this position. Great job, right? The second part of that is, I did good. Give me a paycheck, right? Now, the people that struggle in our businesses today are the ones that don't respect authority and say, I'm going to do it my own way. Usually those are the individuals that go job to job to job to job to job to job to job. That's why it's imperative as parents that you teach respect for authority. We live in a generation today when kids come home and say, my teacher said this, my teacher did that. You get parents to go up to the school and say, don't you tell my kid X, Y, and Z, right? Back in the day, community, it took a village to raise a child. So there was respect. One adult to another, we assume the best about the other adult, that their instruction to our child is to empower them, not hurt them. But the generation we live in here today is the power structures are here to hurt our children, so we're going in to defend. Ah! And we're completely dismantling the respect for authority on the inside of our child's lives, our young generation's life. If there is no respect for authority, they will struggle to live in obedience of an authority structure. You with me? You understand? You get people in their jobs on like, I'm going to go and do my own thing. And it's like, no, this, there's people that have done this for 40 years, okay? You're not trying to reinvent the wheel unless they ask you to try to reinvent the wheel. It's not just us coming in like, we got to do whatever we want. <laughs> Guess what? You know, you got good ideas? Talk to your boss. Talk to your manager and get the authority 
to then step out of the alignment of the role responsibility to try something new to improve the company. But just going at it alone is a disrespect for the authority that has been placed over you. And God says we respect the authorities that God has placed ahead of us, over us. We respect that. Because when we respect authority, we operate in obedience to the standards in the organization. Same thing in my household. I'm training my kids to respect me. Now, Heather is a little more lenient, okay, as all women are, or most women are. Most women are, okay, yeah. (laughs) I I just thought, I saw a lot of chancla flying in the air. I'm like, wait, some... (laughs) We're in San Antonio. Well, you know, La Chancla. So my household, I'm training my child. When I say something, I'm saying it for your benefit. I'm not asking you to do something. I'm asking you to do something. I'm not trying to withhold something from you. I have something for you that's going to benefit you and not harm you, right? So we tell our child not to do X, Y, and Z, right, just yesterday. Uh, Ellis, we're over at my parents' house, and they got these fences laid out. They're doing a fence. So there's one part of the fence that is bigger than the other. So if she walks on it, she would not dent the fence. It's a metal fence. But there's a smaller part that she could. Now, the smaller part, she could walk on it because she doesn't have the footing on it, and she could twist her ankle. And she has the potential to bend the fence and break something that is my parents' and not mine. So I tell her, Ellis, please do not walk on the fence. You can walk on the big part, not the little part. I turn around, and what does Ellis do? She's over there stepping on it, looking back at me. She's trying to push the buttons. You got to put them in a place. Like, bam, get up on them. Just like last night, getting out of the bathtub. Hey, let's get out of the bath. It's time to get out of the bath. Hey, it's time to get out of the bath. It's time to get out of the bath. She's putting water in her mouth and trying to talk and do like, blah, 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 and like trying to talk, and it's all falling out. So I'm laughing with her. I'm like, that's funny. I'll let you do that for a little bit longer because I'm laughing. <laughs> so I asked for a third time, and I'm like, okay, it's time to get out. And she doesn't start moving. She's just like, so I say, one. As soon as I say one, she hears the word one. She's freaking out, right, trying to get out. She's like jumping out. It's like dangerous. It's dangerous, right? She's like trying to jump out of the bathtub. It's slippery, all that other stuff, because she already knows daddy doesn't play. She already knows daddy's going to come in and bam, I'm trying to do something for your benefit. It keeps order inside of the house, happiness. We need you down by 830. Get out the bathtub. We're trying to move in this direction. What, what am I doing as a father? I have something for you. I want to benefit you. I'm going to try to keep you from harm. I want what's best for you. I'm instructing you in behaviors that's going to lead towards success later on. That's what I'm doing, babe. You've got to understand my heart as a father. And if we can do this as Christian parents, raising our child in the way they should go, when they're older, there will be a respect for an authority structure that then They'll operate in alignment. They don't have that, like, that unrighteousness on the inside of them to buck against all authority. So on this side of it, what are we trying to establish as Christians? If we have no respect for a godly authority, we will struggle in our lives to live a righteous life. We will struggle to live righteously. Because you and I do not, you know, if we struggle with that, hey, God is our authority He's not trying to keep something from us. He has something for us. When he says walk in righteousness, what he's telling me is these behaviors is best in alignment with how to live a good and honorable life that is good for society. Yes, you have to deny yourself of sinful behaviors, but you're walking in alignment with God's word to honor him with your lives. 
And when you have that authority structure there, then righteousness is very easy to follow. Very easy to follow. We went to Mexico one time back in 2000 and uh, I think it was like 2007, somewhere around in there. And uh, Hurricane Wilma just went through Cancun. Well, I'm like drooling up here. Um, and uh, Hurricane William, Wilma just went through and took out the half of the resort we were going to. And they had this massive fence up through the entire resort. And so when we got there, we were expecting, our friends have already been there, we were expecting that it was going to be this beautiful thing and like these, uh, these huts that are all around the lagoon. It was going to be this incredible thing. And we get there, all there is is huts in the middle of a jungle. And they're like, yeah, you got to walk like half a mile down to the beach, and it's rocky. You know, our beach actually got wiped out, so you can't go on the other side of the resort. It's getting renovated. And so, so our friends are like, hey, this is just around the corner. It's amazing. That's like where we were stayed at. It's amazing. So we're like, well, why don't we, apparently it just got wiped out, so why don't we go over there? So we go walking over there, and we're going on exploring, and it's all like run down and beat up, and the hurricane tore it up. And we're walking through there. We start walking down this path, and they're like, yeah, you walk down this path, and then you take a left, and it goes out to this massive, beautiful beach. And we're like, cool. So we're walking along this path, and we're coming up on the spot that you would turn left. We're starting to get there, and it's not, wires are starting to run between all these huts. And we're like, okay, that's weird. We turn that corner, right where we get at that corner. I'm at the front because I'm all like the explorer, door of the explorer. I'm like, man, let's go. And all of a sudden, we start to hear a radio, and I'm like, man, that's weird. I guess somebody's living in these huts, like. What could it be? So right then I look further up the path this way, not towards the beach, up the path, and there's an individual standing there. He's looking at us like, what are these guys doing? Probably like, what are these crackers doing? You know, like something like that. <laughs> and he says, hey. And when he said, hey, he didn't look nice. And so I was like, uh, run. And he started, run. We start taking off. And he starts running after us, taking off after us. And literally, we just escaped and, like, went over. We went back on the route that we went, just made it over. And he, he walked up on the top of this, like, bungalow that was uh, abandoned. He was out there watching us walk over to the other side. He's like, they're getting, boys getting back where they need to be. So we went back to the hotel. And we're like, hey, we were talking to a server the night at, at, at dinner. I was like, hey, what's, you know, what's the deal over there? We went over there, and this guy chased us back. You know, we were a little frightened. She's like, oh, oh, you should have never gone over there. The cartel has taken over that. We were like, oh, my God. <laughs> we could have been all locked up abroad. <laughs> that was our one chance. <laughs> could have made it. Could have done something big with my life. <laughs> what is the reality? We disrespected the authority that said don't go over there. We went over there, and we could have been in harm's way. And oftentimes, as individuals, we find ourselves, we want to reject authority that's been put in place that says, I have something for you. I don't want to, I don't want to take something from you. And we follow, find ourselves out of alignment with the righteousness of God. And we already know what the word says. It says, you know, the wages of sin is death. And sometimes earth, or it's as we enter into heaven, the glory of Jesus Christ is going to be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin. There's a reward, and the reward may not be what you want. Last thing I'll leave you with, the number three is roll with the righteous. Roll with the righteous. As I read a minute ago in 2 Timothy 2.22, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pure righteous uh, living, faithfulness, love, and peace. The last part of here is enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Get yourself around people that are living righteously, that honor God, that respect the authority of God, 
Don't be unequally yoked. So you want to jump into this scripture of unequally yoked. I don't have it in here right now, but we'll probably jump in at some point in time. But just the unequally yoked idea is what Paul is saying is if somebody professes to be a believer, I am a Christian, but they are living unrighteously, blatantly, don't link up with that person is what Paul is saying. Some people in here will use that on like, well, we're, you know, we're called to like, you know, not be unequally yoked. So we're not going to go reach the world and reach broken people. No, we're here to reach broken people. There's a bunch of people that live in darkness that think they're living the truth, but it's a truth that is not of God, and we're here to expose the truth, live a life of righteousness before all men that they may see our good deeds and worship the heavenly Father, not an earthly human idea. That's what we're here to do. And so when we live in this realm, you know, the unequally yoked is if somebody is in this house saying, I'm a believer, but they're walking in unrighteousness, blatant unrighteousness, and there is no repentance, separate yourself from that person. There's an individual, and we may jump into this at some point in time, but Paul's writing to the church in Corinth saying, hey, there's a guy in your community that is having an immoral relationship with his stepmother. It is straight incest going on, and you guys are allowing this guy to stay in the church? He's like, no, 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 you guys need to get together right now. Get together right now, kick that boy out. He's living unrighteously. And we live in such a grace world that it's like, oh, just let people live how they want to live. Do as they want to do. No, no, no. There's a righteous expectation. Our responsibility is to instruct in the righteousness, confront people with their sin, and say, make a choice. Is Jesus your Lord, or is he just a good idea? Good idea. I hope he's our Lord. I hope that's the whole point of why we're going through this, because I want to bring up some good topics we can say, is Jesus my Lord, or is he just a good idea? I like the idea of being saved, but I don't like the idea of being transformed. I like the idea of, like, I'm going to receive an eternal hope in the future, but I don't want to change how I'm living today to meet his expectation. I just want to show up with all my blemishes, all my dysfunction, all my chaos, and be like, Jesus, accept me as we are. Aren't you graceful? He's like, yeah, I'm graceful to save you in your sin, but I'm so graceful that I didn't just not consume you right when I showed up in your, in your, your sin. But in my love, yet while you were a sinner, I gave my life for you, but the expectation now is that you go and sin no more now. Oh, okay. So it's not all grace. There is truth to it. Okay, cool, cool. I got you, God. So you got to roll with the righteous. Get yourself around people that love God, people that are pursuing Jesus, people that are in God's word. That's why you got to jump into a group inside of the Pearl Street Church, a table. Get around a group of people that are studying God's word. They're, they're researching. They're looking at God's word saying, how does this apply to our life? What do we need to adjust? What do we need to change? How do we get better in living righteously? We can't just justify our sin and say we're good under God's grace. We are convicted by the presence of God. We're convicted by the Holy Spirit. And through that, we want to move in a direction of righteousness we got to change our behaviors. we got to change our language. we got to change our thought life. we got to get in God's word and renew our minds with his word. Okay, cool. we got to shift what we are doing in living and stop ask, acting like grace is going to cover everything. Get around people that are living righteously. You know, there's a guy in our church that came a couple months ago, and he's an individual that got himself in a different environment, and things started to change for his life. And today he's living a completely different life. And I, want, I would tell you about it, but I want you to see. We, we captured this story. But check out Artie, this individual that is in our church. Roll, roll, roll this film.
my name is Artie Garcia. I've been coming to Pearl Street for about a year and a half. I'm originally from uh, Floresville, Texas, it's just down the street from here. So grew up there for a little bit. And uh, 2015 um, was when my uh, my parents, after 35 years of marriage, um, they they split up, and uh, that was pretty much a downhill for me that year. Um, I saw my mom struggle. Um, I saw my mom struggle with hurt, pain, disappointment, and uh, all I could do was just pray for her. I think it hurt more just because my dad just up and left my mom and no explanation and no, no, uh, no reasoning. It hurt deep because I knew the type of man he was. He was, he was a hardworking man. He was a uh, awesome father. He taught me a lot. He taught me to be a hard worker. He taught me how, how to be a, a a father to my kids and even to kids that aren't mine. You know, I started to kind of have a rough relationship with my dad. For a while, I never spoke to him because of that. I developed an anger. I developed. Uh, I felt like God was punishing me for for things that I might have done wrong in my life. But I couldn't stop thinking like I wasn't worthy. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't worth nothing. I started to reach out to friends that were involved with church. It started off with a message on Facebook. He was like, hey man, I know you haven't played for a while and I know you're kind of looking for a new home. He's like, I, I want to encourage you to come to this community here at Pearl Street. Um, so I went, I walked in and I immediately felt the presence. You know, I had been searching and searching for a long time. You know, where's my, like I said, where's my purpose? What is my purpose? Where's my home? Where do I belong? And when I came here, I felt, I felt like I was home. I saw how the community was, how uplifting everybody was, how everybody was so lovable, everybody was so genuine, everybody was so comforting. You know, and at that time, I didn't know nobody. Um, Kevin introduced me to Mario. We, we talked, and he said, hey, man, he's like, would you like to join the team? Kevin says, you're a pretty good drummer. I was like, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> he was like, can you audition? I said, yeah, um, just right now? Or he was like, no, not right now. Give me some time to, you know, put something together. But uh, that week, also, I, I went to the first uh, Sunday service that I attended and the message there was just awesome. So my mom and I had been, we've been coming to church. She comes with me on Sundays, whether if I'm playing or not. But uh, one day I was actually playing on a Sunday and my dad showed up and I didn't know. And I got a text from my girlfriend and she said, hey, I just want to let you know before you get on, your dad's here. God is good. <laughs> and man, it was that was pretty emotional, but you know, I was I was happy. I, he hadn't stepped foot in the church, man, for eight years. I gave him a huge big hug and I cried on his shoulder. I told him thank you. You know, thank you for coming and I hope you enjoyed service and I hope you can continue to come. You know, we planted a seed for him. So hopefully it grows and he keeps on coming, whether if it's once a month or every Sunday. This community has helped me 
and my mom, you know, through some some rough times. I, I started doing the whole tithing here at, at Pearl Street. I, I started getting plugged in. Um, I wanted to get involved a little bit more. You know, I, I, I opened myself more to wherever God needs me, that's where I'll serve. It gives me a good joy to see people come in and actually give themselves to God. Being engaged with not only the team, but with the community. You know, I, I try to encourage others to, to really get rooted, be, be encouraged and be part of the community. Just, you know, understanding where you're at. I ultimately want to just thank God first, and I want to thank Pearl Street for giving me a chance to be not only a part of the worship team, but just part of the community. They honestly don't know how much of a big impact in my life they made. Crazy. You know, Ari's an individual that came in, surrounded himself with a different group of people, and the results of his life are completely different today. The direction is completely different. But it all is coming to a place and surrounding himself with people that are of like mind, pursuing the same thing. As I said, man, with this message, run from sin, pursue righteousness. Run from sin, pursue righteousness. Get yourself in a place where we're moving beyond, man, we're just going to accept who we are and what we're struggling with. No, God's got something better for us. He's got something better. He's not keeping something from us, that relationship that you think you need. No, no, no. He's got something better for you. All that money you think you need, no, he's got something better for you. As Paul would say, I've learned how to live with contentment, whether I have plenty or I am in lack. Both of these things have put me in a place where God is my highest form of pursuit. When I have a little or a, a lot, I'm, I'm in a place where I'm good pursuing God. If I make 10 sales a month or two sales a month, I'm good. I'm good. So what are we pursuing? What's your pursuit today? Is it God? Is it his righteousness? Or are you just trying to meet the desires? This is who I am, this is what I wanna do. We're anchored in Jesus Christ. Christ has saved us, he has redeemed us, he's seen us in our mess. The beautiful thing about what we get is we get God, we get a savior who's willing to accept all the faults and failures. It's not that we gotta be perfect, but it is the direction of our lives. Are we pursuing righteousness? It's not that we're saying, hey, we're running in the opposite direction. We're running towards Christ. We may stumble. We'll never fall. We always have a Savior to catch us and pick us, you know, pick us right back up and keep on moving forward. That is the Savior that we get. But we are anchored in Christ Jesus. Amen. So if you're here and maybe you have never... Maybe you've never said this. You ever come to this place of like, okay, I get it. I, I have disrespected the authority of God and I haven't felt like I needed to get myself in alignment. Well, the wages of sin is death. We're, we have a righteous judge. Where we are out of alignment with the expectations of God, we will face the consequences of that. The beauty is, is Jesus has paid the debt. His blood has paid the debt. With every bad decision, with every time you break the law in this country, there are consequences to it. There's a price to be paid. The same thing in a, uh, in a religious law, in a moral law. When we break these standards, there's a price to be paid. And Jesus paid that price. 
He's removed sin. He's paid the debt of sin with his life. Blood represents life, as we talked about last week in communion. His blood for our blood. What does that mean? We don't wages of our sin. He shed our blood that dealt with the wages of our sin. So that's why we come to Jesus. And so today, if you've never come to Jesus to pay the debt of your sin, it's time to say, okay, Jesus, I need you now. Come into my life. Save me. Redeem me. Restore me. I've walked in these doors one way, but I'm no longer justifying my sin. I want you to forgive me of my sin, and I'm heading in a different direction as I walk out of these doors. I'm going to pursue righteousness. Though I may stumble, I will not fall. You got me. Right? So if you've never said this prayer, we want you to bring you to a point of conviction and decision. No longer are you going to live that way. You're going to live righteously according to the standards of God. If you're here with every head bowed and every eye closed, it's a direct conversation. I know I'm getting up in the nitty, but this is a direct conversation. If you're here and you're saying, I've never walked away from the wages of my sin. I've never walked away from the, the life I am leading in desire or in pursuit of selfishness or selfish ambition, whatever it may be. You've never walked away from that life. Today's your day you can say, okay, cool, God, I want to meet you and forgive me for that mentality, that thinking, and I want you now to be my Lord. If you're here and you've never said yes to Jesus and you want to do that right now, just raise your hand. Wave at me, wave at me, wave at me. Raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand. Amen, amen. Let's say this prayer together. Jesus, we thank you for your life that was given for us. We ask you right now to forgive us of our sins, our unrighteousness, everything we've done that has missed the mark of your expectations. And today we say, come into our hearts, change our lives, make us new, commit today. Lord, we commit to follow you all the days of our lives. We say this in our Savior and our Lord's name, Jesus Christ, amen and amen and amen. Come on, we're going to spend some time looking at righteousness and the pursuit of that, Christ-like behaviors as we move forward. So get your friends here, get all your family here. It's going to be a little uncomfortable, but at the end of the day, I think we're going to be better for it. Because at the end of the day, we are the light to the world. We're the salt of the earth. If we don't know how to live it, how can we ever influence? How can we ever impact? We just look like the world. We look no different. But there should be something different about who we are. So love you guys. Derek, coming.